the goal for about a month now to ride 30 miles on a bike. Now, for somebody that's probably not that big a deal, but if you've ridden bikes, but that's a good distance. And so I've had this determination to do that. And so on Friday, uh, Bill and I, Bill's done it, and I said, Bill, I'm doing, I want to do 30 miles a day. And he's my witness. And, uh, and, and so we ran the race. We started in Romeo, and uh, we were going to Richmond on the Macomb Orchard Trail. And uh, we, we, we went all the way there. We had a nice little lunch. And on the way back, we were at 28 and a half miles or something like that. How many know you ever get to that point? You're like, I have to finish what my goal is. We were at the finish line, but something inside me said, I got to go a little further. Something inside of me said, I got to finish this goal, this race, so that when I go home, I'm like, I did something today. I accomplished something. You know, I think sometimes in our journey with God, there's times where we, we do good. Maybe we do, you know, I did pretty good. I, I, we, we gave an effort. But how many know sometimes God wants us to push through just a little bit further? And sometimes it could be in worship. It could be in our own personal study. When God challenges us to set some goals that are higher than anything we've ever done before. And maybe for you today, you can ask God, I need a second wind in my life to push me to a higher level, to a greater experience with God. And as much as it hurt during those 30 miles, I mean, things hurt. The keister hurts for once. If you've ever ridden a bike for 30 miles, let me tell you, you don't sit very good for a while. Okay, and your your legs burn, and, and half somewhere during the race, uh, the race, the, the bike ride, I started doing like a little bit of like complaining. You know, I was he's there and he can't go very far, and I'm like, this hurts. Oh my leg, are your legs hurting? And it makes me feel good when he's like, mine too. How I many know things in life? Sometimes there are things that we want to stop because it's hard. Being a Christian, no one ever said being a Christian is going to be the easiest journey you ever lived. But it's the greatest journey you ever made. Amen? And, and, and after you finish something, after you finish a goal, it could be anything. I mean, it might hurt, but after you get back and you're like, I'm so glad I didn't quit. I'm so glad that I didn't throw in the towel. And it feels so good later to know that you did something that others said you couldn't do. And I believe that's what God wants us to have that mindset. I want to say that we talked about mental toughness. So Matthew 14, we find this story. We we're going to land right in the middle of it. And it, it's the disciples are on the Sea of Galilee. And a storm has kicked up. And they're in the boat. And Jesus is on the shore. And he begins to make his way towards them. It says, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and on ahead of him. He's just fed the 5,000. He, he wants them to go ahead on to the other side of the sea when, while he dismissed the crowd. So he said, go ahead, I'll, get right, I'll, I'll close the service. And after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, there, he, there, he was there alone, and the boat was already, already a considerable distance from the land. Buffeted by the waves. They're fighting the waves. They're fighting the storm. Because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake, as he does, because he is the Son of God. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they praised him and said, Surely, no, they didn't do that, did they? What did they do? They freaked out. They panicked. 
They said, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out, then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately. This is again, remember, verse 27, Jesus said, immediately take courage. Now, verse 31, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Now, I'm, I'm certain we've all heard this story. Obviously, if you were here last week, we dived into the beginning part of this. And, and we've all thought about this experience of, of Peter and his walk to Jesus. And, and, and his, his lack of faith to, to say what the Bible says. And then he began to sink. But how many know there's that moment that he walked back to the boat? You gotta remember, Jesus pulls them out of the water, so they're, they're not to the boat yet. He walked on the water, he sank, and then Jesus picks them back up. Apparently, they have to make their way back to the boat. Bible doesn't say that Jesus made them swim back. He, 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 he takes them back to the boat. And so we have this image, and, and sometimes we forget the rest of the story, but, but before this, Peter hit a wall. He, uh, he began to sink. He lost his focus. He, he lost his faith, and he began to drown, and he hit this wall, but something happened after that. Now, remember, these men are not just ordinary men who have never been out to sea. They've been on the sea. They've been in storms. Some of them have, have had experience in fishing, so they've probably been in moments like this but this one seems to have caught them off guard, and they see Jesus walking on the water, as we just read, and they cry out, it's a ghost. I like to say that they didn't just cry out, little cry. They were like, I'll do my best. I'm going to wake somebody up. Ah! It's a ghost. Now, that would not be the most manly thing to do. The manly thing to do would be, what? I got this. It's a ghost. If you right. saw a ghost in your house, please don't, please don't put that on Facebook because people would go all over the place. My pastor said that. But if you saw Jesus standing in your living room, you might turn the channel. You might do something. You'd probably be like, like that. Ah! It's a ghost! They cried out. And so they're screaming, they're panicking, and Jesus merely said, take courage in his eye, don't be afraid. And then Peter, like Peter does, Peter spoke up, and he said, Lord, if it's you, do a miracle. What I love about this, he, he said, I want to be a part of your miracle. Make me a part of the miracle. I want to come to you. Tell me to come on the water. 
And I think a lot of times we ask God to do miracles. God, would you do, would you save this person, save my family? Lord, and, and I believe, how many people in the church say, Lord, do a miracle. We want to see this church paid off sooner than expected. But how many are ready to say, Lord, make me a part of that miracle? Amen? Lord, I want to be a part of, of being a part of that miracle making something happen. Lord, I want this person to be saved. Your prayer should be, God, use me to be that voice that shows them Jesus and his love. Peter was saying, I don't want to just see a miracle. I want to be a part of the miracle. You see the difference? And so he says, Lord, if it's you, I don't want you to prove to me who you are. Yet I want you to prove who I am with you. Lord, if it's you, call me up. Call me up. And I love how Jesus made it very uncomplicated, didn't he? Come. What? That's all you want? Yes. Come. That's all you have to do is come to the Father. You know, only two people that I've ever read have ever walked on water, right? One's name is who? Jesus. And the other one is, we'll just do this because he sang, you know. <laughs> Jesus and Peter. And it's, it's so true that Jesus could obviously walk on the water all night long. He could have moonwalked on the water. He could have breakdanced on the water. He could have done the cha-cha on the water before the cha-cha was invented because he's Jesus. Amen. I mean, no. yeah, he, but he walked on the water. He could have done it without Peter, but Peter could have not have ever done it without Jesus. And he needed him. And so the question, the moment you hear Jesus say, come, there's that moment in life, church, listen to me very carefully. There's a moment when you say to Jesus, I have decided to cross the line. I have decided. There's that moment in all of us when you say, I am all yours. Amen? Do you believe it's possible to associate with God but still not give him your whole life? I think it's so possible it's ridiculous. Matter of fact, I think it's kind of an epidemic sometimes in, 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 in life. And then even in the church, sometimes people will say, God, I'm, 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 I'm partially yours. But I don't know if I want to give you all. You know what the Bible said? Well, you have to count the cost to follow Jesus. And so you say, God, I'm all yours. And when you begin to live a life of fully stepping out of the boat, you will begin to find that this relationship experience with Jesus will drastically change. You will have this new profound joy and strength and perception. You begin to see things that people don't see. How I many of there's something called discernment that God has given us? And some people have a deeper measure than others. The discernment kind of is that thing that shows you, uh-oh, don't do that, red flag. Or, uh-oh, don't listen to that individual red flag. How many know discernment is a good thing that we need to ask God for? And discernment sometimes is seeing the invisible. And there's something significant about Peter. He saw the invisible. He did the impossible, walking on water, but he also saw the invisible. Because the Bible says he saw the wind. And so when you live a life of, of fully giving yourself to God, fully saying, God, I'm all in. I'm not going to stand and watch, but I am crossing over that, 
that line. I'm, I'm stepping over and out of the boat. God will begin to show you things that to most people are invisible. Come on, amen? How many know when, when you're the person who says, everyone says, I don't think we're going to make it. I think we're going to drown. I don't think this is going to work. But you're that voice that says, my God's going to make a way. Even though I can't see it, even though I don't know how, I trust that God is going to make a way in this situation. And we had a great word during worship today that really spoke in those, in those areas. How we have to have this, this belief that God can do the impossible, amen? And show us the invisible. There's things as believers, sometimes as, as you live your life fully for God, you'll begin to sense things in your spirit, that discerning spirit, you will sense things that other people don't see. You, you'll, you'll leave church and other people might say, well, I just didn't feel much. They'll say, you didn't feel that? I felt Jesus in that place. I mean, how many know what I'm talking about? You begin to see the invisible. And the invisible might also be things that God is telling you to steer clear of. And so the closer you get to Jesus, the more you see the invisible. You see things that most people don't see. And how many know in our world today, there's a lot of things as Christians that we need to have our eyes able to see and help people find their way and navigate through this tricky life. There's a lot of things. And maybe, maybe in your journey with God, somewhere along the way, you stop. I believe I'm speaking to somebody right now, and those ears need to just open up a little bit and say, maybe you stopped in your journey. You hit a wall. Maybe you've, you've wanted to, to go out and, and out of the boat, and maybe you want to experience more with God. Maybe you started to, but somewhere along the way, you climbed back in. You said, I don't know if I'm ready to surrender my whole life. I kind of like some of the things that I do, but you know your spirit is at war with your flesh. Now, I pray that you will decide today, I am going all in with Jesus Christ. Amen. So Peter, back to Peter, he's walking towards Jesus. I don't see anybody else jumping in. I mean, I, you read the story, I, I don't read about any of the other disciples going all over the side of the boat saying, wow, this actually works. I mean, I hope that if I was there and I saw somebody walk in the water, I'm like, it works for them. Surely it'll work for me. Amen? But we don't read that the other disciples followed suit when they could. I don't see this happening. The question is, how much proof do you need? How much proof do they need? They had all the proof. How much proof do we need that our God is an all-consuming fire, that our God heals our God delivers. Our God sets free. How much proof do you need to worship God with your whole life? I think sometimes we just keep saying, God, prove to me who you are when he says, I'm right here. Come to me. Quit asking me for a miracle. Be the miracle. Quit asking God to change people. He says, I've given you the tool set to, to be my voice to help change a generation. Oh, Lord, I want to, we need this in the church. Maybe the fact that you've even brought it up means that you're the one who's supposed to do it. Come on, somebody. Now, don't be afraid to ask your pastor, but when someone says, Pastor, I think we need this, I might say, well, then you're the one. Amen? We need this to happen. We used to do this, or this, this isn't happening this year. Maybe that's God saying, then you're the one who's supposed to do it. Come on, somebody. Be the miracle. Amen? We can't just sit in the boat. We need to be who God has called us to be. Live that life. 
because it's the greatest experience. And, you know, I, I maybe the other disciples were thinking, like, Peter never gets this right. It's Peter, right? Come on, it's Peter. And he's had a, a history of doing things and saying things, and we don't even know how much happened, but Peter had great faith. At the same time, he, he put his foot in his mouth, and at the same time, he made mistakes. I don't know, he always pursued God. He pursued Jesus. We understand that David made some mistakes in the Old Testament, but how many know David was a man after God's own heart? And so you might say, well, I made mistakes in my life. God looks at your heart. Are you pursuing him? Are, are, you, are you pushing that extra mile to make that goal? Set goals in your life, church. When you stop setting goals and you just kind of accept where you're at, that's when life gets very stagnant. And that's when you can be at a spiritually dangerous place. And I think a lot of times people don't realize how close they are. They're spiritually living a spiritually dangerous life when they stop pursuing the things of God. And how easy things of this world and sin can kind of creep back into our life when we get back in the boat. Maybe Peter was guilty of having a little bit too much faith, but I don't think that exists to you. I don't think we can have too much faith in Jesus Christ. I, I think it's okay if you even step out and you might sink a little bit, but you say, you know what, God, I'm not going to stop believing in you. I'm going to keep pursuing you. But even with Peter walking on the water, there's still so much fear in that boat. They're watching God do something extraordinary, but they didn't have the faith to step into it. They're watching God. God is still doing extraordinary things on this earth. Amen? He's still saving hundreds of thousands of lives. Pastor John and Rachel still are leading people in Pakistan. They had a quarter of a million show up at the crusade two weeks ago. And they had 90,000 people saved. I mean, God is still doing extraordinary things. Ask those who've been to Trinidad, ask those who've been on mission trips, ask Julie in Uganda, ask anybody in this church that you follow missionaries. I mean, God is doing extraordinary things on the earth. We have to have the faith to step into it. And our little, our life that we've, we've created and built this little safety bubble, God is saying, I need you to step out in faith in some areas. Don't you think it would have been a different story? What if, what if the story was written like this? They all, all the disciples followed Peter and jumped in. They said, we're coming, Jesus. Wouldn't it be a cool story if the story was like Peter got out of the boat and then all the disciples started walking on the water? Now, wouldn't that be cool? Well, they didn't. Verse 29, Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. And this next verse is what? We need to focus on. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. He began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. Now, when, when I first read this, and I've read this many times back to you, I saw this on felt boards as a kid, and I, I've heard it preached in various ways. And for many times, I would always kind of, it's funny how your subconscious mind adds words to what you read. And I, and I would read it. As Peter saw the waves and the wind. 
Now, have you ever, in your mind, maybe you never read that, but somehow in your mind you think that. You saw the waves and the wind. The Bible actually says when Peter saw the wind. So I thought maybe this is a translation problem. Maybe if I look at this in the Greek. Let's look at the Greek. Of what, what does this mean in the Greek? So I did a little study, and I found that if you study it and look it up in the Greek, saw the wind means he saw the wind. In the Greek, doesn't mean he saw. It. So what happens is a lot of people kind of infer, or they kind of add their own little translation, like, well, he must have saw the wind and the waves, but it's just he, he, he saw the wind. I want you to do an experiment this week. I would like you to ask someone, uh, and, and not here, of course, because we're all underneath the same teaching this morning, but ask someone, say, when Peter got out of the boat, what did he see that made him sink? Challenge you, if you were to have that conversation with someone, just say, hey, I want to say, I want to try a little something. My pastor asked me to do this. He's doing a survey. I don't know. Don't mind. <laughs> but Peter got out of the boat. What did he see that made him sink? I pretty much guarantee most people will say, well, he saw the waves. Most people won't say that he saw wind. Because how many have ever seen wind? You don't see the wind. People usually say, he saw the wind and the waves. And then they add the word, of course, waves. So what happens is, oftentimes we are told to see things that aren't actually there. We are told. And how many of the enemy will make us see things that are not actually there? And if we believe it enough, here's the thing. You can't see the wind, right? See, if you're going to break through and get this second wind, you need to prepare for the impossible. If we as a church, come on, if we as a church really want to have a second wind and really see God move us into new things, come on, we got to believe for the impossible. We can't ask God to do things we've already seen before. I'm asking God to do things that we've never seen happen in the house of God. I want to see people come to this church that I've never expected in a million years to give a word or to speak a word or to do something. I've got to believe it for the impossible. Peter believed for the impossible. I mean, if he would have just taken his hand and like, I'm like, oh, Jesus, I'm touching the water. Look at you. You're, I'm praising you. You're, doing, you're walking around the water. No, it's not enough. He had to ask God to do the impossible. I've been around people, maybe their marriage right now feels like in an impossible situation. Maybe maybe somebody's lifestyle, you feel like it's impossible to get out of this mess that I've gotten into or, or this life. How I many know we serve a God who does the impossible for us? He says, I just need you to get out of the boat. Come and be a part of the transition. Be a part of the miracle. Now, maybe this could happen. But I've never asked God to lose 20 pounds and then sat back and ate, ate a bag of chips and did nothing. Lord, I, I want to lose some weight. Will you please melt it off me? Just right now. Jesus, just take the pounds. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, take the take the pounds right now. Give me a six-pack right now. I'm not leaving the altar until I have a six-pack. Yeah. Can God do it? Yeah. But does he want you to be a part of that transition? Absolutely. God, 
help me overcome this sin. I've been so stuck in it for 20 years. And God's like, I've already put it in you. Be a part of the miracle. Amen? Be a part of the transition in your life. Be a part. Ask God today, Lord, what are you speaking to me to do in my life? What does God want to show you? And what is he waiting for you to see? Open, we used to sing this great worship song. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. How many remember that song? Oh, yeah. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Amen. And we sing this song. We get it in our heart. Maybe you didn't realize what we're saying. Open the eyes. Help me to see the things that I have not been able to see. Help me to see if I keep living this way, it's going to take me down a course of life that's going to bring me a lot of pain and misery and regret someday. God, help me to see. And right now today, he's saying, open your eyes so that you do not have to go through those things that you're preparing yourself to. Open your eyes and see the invisible. Amen? Maybe some of you in this room, you can say, I remember the day that God opened my eyes and I began to see things. I began to see things. Say, I need to avoid this place. I need to stop doing this. I need to stop listening to that. And you begin to see things. And I, it doesn't take a scientist to realize there's a lot of people who, who are not seeing the truth. I mean, I have to be honest with you. And I know this is a pastor talk, but I spend sometimes five minutes on Facebook and I, I almost get like burdened. Because I, I say, I see so much more potential in this individual, but yet they're so proud of the way they're living. God, I pray they will see the destruction that this will do in their life someday. Sometimes we just need to say, God, I just need to see better with my spirit. I, I, I need to see things that, that might seem invisible, but God, show me the invisible. Peter saw that. Here's all I want you to take from this today. He said, maybe something else. Holy Spirit speaking to you. But I want you to prepare for the impossible. I want you to ask God, help me to see things that I've never seen before. Those pitfalls, those traps. Because church, it is our desire. My wife and I and all of our staff and our leaders, it is our desire to see you living a life that is fully living for Jesus Christ. I want to see you blessed. I want to see you living with purpose. I want to see you using your gifts, your skills, your talents. Amen? I'm blessed. I, 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 and then on the other end of the spectrum, I see some of y'all posting some stuff that blesses me to death. I see some of you guys posting things about God, about scripture, about family, about blessings, about just, it could be anything. It's just something positive. Amen. And I see that. I'm like, Lord, now that's it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There we go. I preach to Pakistan about once a month, and I say hallelujah. In that place, I can feel it from Pakistan through my office door. Hallelujah. We believe that God can use us, amen? Use what God has given us as tools. Some of you post sometimes stuff on Facebook. You don't realize you are shattering the enemy's plans. You might post that scripture, and you might be speaking to somebody you might never meet, amen? Use what God has given us. Let's use what God has given us, Amen. I love, I, I keep pointing out people, but like, like Julie, when you post those things about Uganda, I'm sitting here in my office in Carson going, hallelujah, praise God, thank you Jesus for using people. I see others of you posting scripture, I'm like, thank you, I needed that. So how many ever read something somebody put, you're like, I needed that. Let's be the answer. 
Let's not be the problem. Let's be the solution. Amen? I want to be the solution in my kids' life, in my family's life. I, I, I hear only so many terrible things, and some of us know some, some very hard things happen this week. And it breaks my heart that I see many times the problem was in the adults in the life that they were still living a selfish life, and yet there are other people that were paying the price for their decisions. We need to be better decision makers. Amen. Lord, help us to see. All right. We have communion to, to receive together. I need to finish this up. Like I said, here's what I want you to take from this. The moment that you begin to walk on the journey that only Jesus can take you on, you'll begin to see things that you never even knew were real. When you begin to walk on this journey with Jesus and you get out of that boat, you begin to see things that you didn't even know were real. I didn't know how much God loved me until I really followed him. I didn't know how much I could, I could love being with God's people until I knew how real he was. Fly, go. Jesus' name. <laughs> you only have a few days in here. You're dosed. When you walk on this journey with Jesus, church, you'll see things, you'll see things that could have destroyed your life, and you'll turn and walk away from there are so many testimonies in this room of people who, when you gave your heart to Jesus Christ, you began to see things that were destructive in your life and you turned from it. Amen? Some of you in this room know what I'm talking about. When you walk on this journey with Jesus, I know you will make better decisions. You will live with a sense of purpose and you will realize how much you need Jesus in your life. Remember, the verse Hebrews 11:1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things Hope for, say with me, the evidence of things not seen. Lord, give us faith, measure of faith. What does God want to show you? What is he waiting for you to see, church? But it won't happen until you step out of your boat. In a moment, we're going to receive communion together, and we're going to do something a little different today. While you, while you receive communion, we're going to play a video. Now I'm going to ask, we're going to, we're going to pray at the beginning, and then we're going to serve the bread and the cup to you, okay? And while you, while you watch this video, I pray that you would just take that moment and thank the Lord. I thank you for your forgiveness, and thank you for salvation. You might not even be able to see it, but how many of you can feel it? The day I gave my heart to Jesus in 1980, when I was totally surrendered, I remember, eight years old, Clear Lake Camp, Iowa, eight years old. Yeah, I had a whole bunch of problems as an eight-year-old. But I needed Jesus. And I remember when I was 19 years old, and I, I had stepped back in the boat. And I got 19 years old, I said, I need to rededicate my life to Jesus. But I remember, I, I didn't see a certificate fall from heaven that said, Oh, you're saved. That been really cool. I have it up in my office. I mean, I could see something now in the spirit. I could sense it. I knew it. I felt it. Amen. It was it was like, it's there. Yes. And you might need chervis, uh, chervis, service, though. That's another word. Just, just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. Just when I say words that are weird. When you enjoy service, I want you to go home and say, Lord, I don't know if I even saw it, but I feel it. And I know it's you. 
So as we receive communion today, I pray that you would just hold it and say, God, I thank you for this. This gift that you gave us called your son, Jesus. We're going to listen to the song called Communion, and then we're going to close in prayer. Just a minute. I want to read a few verses, so just prepare your hearts for this. Peter could see Jesus, but he took his eyes off him. He said, he was distracted, wasn't he? That's, that's the story. Peter was distracted. That's, that's what it is. That's, to me, one of the big things. He got distracted by what he saw. And I think that's the story in our life. I believe that we all want to live the life that God has called us to live. But I believe we get distracted by things and life. Let me ask you, is there anything in your life distracting you from your walk with Jesus? Remember, second wind, when you're out of breath and you're too tired to continue, suddenly you find this, I love that, suddenly you find this. When you're distracted, when you burn out, when you're tired, when you're walking with Jesus, there will be that moment where you're like, suddenly, thank you, God. Thank you for showing me direction. Would I, can I ask those who are helping me serve communion? Join me up here as we prepare our hearts for this. So Peter, God bless Peter, the rock. It's out of the boat. He sings. But I believe there's that moment in his journey. Well, even if others were still on the boat, he can look back and say, look how far I've come. Maybe you're here today and you're, you're full of, and you're like, I'm not where I should be, and I still have some things, and Pastor, you don't know what it's like. Listen, I want you, there's those moments in life where you have to say, but look how far I've come. And you make those moments, you kind of make those goals in your life, look how far I've come, and look how far I can go. As we pray, I would ask that you would make some goals right now. Say, God, this is something I need to to ask you for strength, but let me, I want to be a part of this miracle, part of the transition. And you keep your eyes on Jesus. He will do the impossible. He will do the impossible. All right. So first we will serve the communion bread and then the cup. And I'm going to go ahead and pray over it right now. Watch the video. You can take it on your own. And then when we're done, we'll close with prayer. Father God, as we prepare our hearts today for communion, we thank you for the blessed time that it is to receive it, to remember what your son, Jesus, what you did for us, Jesus, on that cross. You came and you lived this life and you, you knew what it was to go through pain and sorrow and, and joys and highs and lows and you took it all to the cross. And Lord God, today as we receive this, thank you for giving us your body, our healing, and also for the blood that washes away our sin. We receive it today together in Jesus' name. Amen. So they're going to pass out the bread. Come right back. We'll pass out the cup. And I want you to pray and receive it on your own while we watch this video.